can't wait. All right. So hopefully everybody has an outline that should say, who is my neighbor? And um, I want to look at Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. We'll start there. And some very familiar verses to most of us. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I, I really like Jesus, the teacher. He affirmed that. He said the official thing he should have said. But sometimes we get an official thing that we're supposed to do, but it's not in color. It's not clear to us. How does exactly all that work? So Jesus gives us some amazing example. You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify him himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus said, oh, glad you asked. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now these are the official religious people, the pastors, so as it well, you know, you should have, they should have helped, right? You would think they would help, but they didn't. But a Samaritan, now I think many of us understand who the Samaritans were, but they were actually hated by the Jews. Jews hated the Samaritans, Samaritans hated the Jews, and it has a lot of history in it, and part of the history had to do with what happened to the northern kingdom and how they separated from the southern kingdom. And then they became apostate through intermarriage with all the nations that invaded them and so on and so forth. So basically the Jews thought they were sort of half Jewish, and the Samaritans hated the Jews for thinking that. They even you know, fought them where, where the official place of worship should be. So they really didn't like each other at all. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So I want to talk about mercy. I want to talk about practical ministry. You know, one of the reasons why it's so important to me and is because I think it's so important to the scriptures and so important to the ministry of Jesus. And that's one of the reasons why we found some really practical ministries here. Lots of ways where people can pray for each other, get healed. Lots of dimensions, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional, but also practical needs. And so that's why the Mercy Warehouse was birthed, so that we could practically minister to people, have the money to do it, have the jobs to do it, have the stuff to do it, uh, and so on. So right now we're probably working with some 50 homeless people right now uh, as we speak. And that's being funded by the warehouse and also uh, by a couple of our wonderful workers who are doing such a great job helping people find more permanent housing. And then, of course, we hire people and we feed them and so on. But but I, I never get tired of the activity that goes on there. Even this activity we're talking about as we're feeding people, it's not just that we're giving them practical uh, sustenance, but we're just seeing all kinds of miracles. That's where the action is. Amongst the poor and the weak and the broken, that's where all the action is in terms of supernatural stuff. Even when we get poor and weak and desperate, right? So I've always wanted to be a church like that. And of course, uh, at, at answers the question, who is my neighbor? And so finds out we have lots of different kinds of uh, uh, neighbors in this area uh, where we live. It's really fasc fascinating to see the mosaic of people that come. And beyond that, I've just had some really, really good news. Um, uh, also, you know that we've extended our hands, and as far as we're concerned, our neighbors also exist in distant countries and places of the world, especially where the gospel is just beginning to come and flourish. And so, as you may know, uh, we planted some 500 churches in India in the last three years, 500 of them. And so we keep track of all that happens in those times. And so we keep track of it quarterly. And uh, from those churches that we planted, just this first quarter, from January to March, over 15,000 people came to Christ from those churches. It's a gift that keeps on giving. And I would say we're probably somewhere in the upwards of uh, maybe 250, 300,000, maybe something like that. People have been saved in the last three years. It's really quite remarkable. And so there too are our neighbors. And also we've been able to send uh, money and uh, 
sustenance to help in this horrible COVID crisis. It's, it's literally tearing up India. But they too are our near neighbors. They're not too near, right? <laughs> but they're still uh, our neighbors. And uh, so all of Scripture really hangs on two commandments. And you know those commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, matter of fact, Matthew 22, 40, he says everything, all the law, the prophets, everything, whole, its foundation is those two things. Loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And so when you do those two things, you're doing a pretty good job. You're walking with God. So I want to look at neighbor, that word in uh, Luke chapter 20, uh, verse 29. So again, uh, thank you, Janice. I'm now there. All right. 10:29. All right. I'm going to look through these verses. I'm just going to be going through them. And who is my neighbor? So neighbor actually means in the Greek near, near to, or close by. Actually, neighbor means neighbor. But actually, the word plesion literally means near, near to, or close by, right? So we translate that neighbor, but really we could say the near one. So who's your near one? That's the key thing. Who's your near one? Neighbor obscures it, but who's the one close to you? Jesus teaches that anything, anyone within close proximity to us should be the object of our concern regardless of whether or not there are mutual ties of kindred or nation. That's from the NIV Greek lexicon. So, so near one is the key. So that's really, really powerful when you think about that. that the Samaritan who helped should have been the enemy of the Jew in need, according to the culture of the day, but he had compassion. And that was the guy that was right in front of him. It happened to be a person that's very, very different. In this time where we're talking all about differences so much, we just know that Christians have always been able to handle anybody different, right? That's the near one, the one that's close to us, regardless of race, creed, whatever they are, religion, whatever. And this is what we see here. Jesus wants us to look for the broken and the needy to be part of our jobs. And then we will see them. And this is really, really important. This is something I'm really learning. How we see and treat them is how we are seeing and treating Jesus. This is really important. So I want to read Matthew chapter 25, uh, 31 to 40. And so, uh, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So this huge cosmic scene that's going to happen in all of our future. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. I want to be a sheep. I want to be a sheep on that day. How about you? (laughs) Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger, invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and the sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you are accursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I did clothes. And you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger and needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He'll reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. It's interesting. When did we see you? How we see and treat them is how we are seeing and literally treating Jesus. But that whole thing of seeing is really, really important. I think these days, for all the news and all the things about homeless people and everything and uh, the poor and all of it, sometimes it, the water gets really murky. And as believers, we're, we're trying to figure out our place in this. And hopefully as I explain this, um, I think that uh, maybe I can shed a little bit of light on and when you can 
begin to really in a practical way, way minister this way. We've created the church, our church specifically, to be a place where you could practically do this. And uh, to love, as we say, see and do something about it, which Mother Teresa told me a number of years ago when I was in Calcutta. And um, it's so funny because uh, we get it's so complicated. We make it so complicated, really. I think the key thing there is uh, seeing people, noticing them. But I mean seeing is don't just notice that there's a homeless person. I think we're all a little bit more attuned to that than even a few years ago when we see a homeless person. But what do you see? What do you really see? What, that includes, I think, maybe what God might want you to do. And sometimes that can be quite threatening and you're wondering, okay, what do I do? And all kinds of questions go through your mind. And um, I just think it's so important uh, that we love these near ones. What I'm beginning to discover more and more in my life is you don't have to jump over a tall mountain in a single bound. <laughs> you don't have to be a super Christian, super person, or like anybody else. I think this whole thing of loving the near one is very, very helpful to me. Because what I'm finding is, if I'm willing, if I'm open to be used by the Lord, if I'm looking, you know, just around my life, God will put these people right square in my path. Now, it might not be right square in my path, right where I run, but, but near, you know, close, uh, not far away. So like whenever I see a, a person on the side of the road, you know, someone begging, someone in a difficult place, I always ask, Lord, is, is that something I should do, right? And so amazing, surprisingly easy. As a matter of fact, I, uh, someone gave me some money the other day, and it was amazing, and uh, it was like you know, a bunch of 10s and 20s. And so I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to put those in the a back of my, my, my car, you know, and then whenever I see a person that I feel like I should go, you know, bless or help or whatever, I'll do it, right? And so the thing about it is, it was interesting, the sort of thing that I went through, you know, and uh, I don't think anymore. Okay, now, if I do this, they're going to buy booze. If I do this, they're going to... I leave that to them. I don't think anymore. I just respond. So the other day, this guy was passed out in front of the 7-Eleven, you know, and I'm thinking, I'm going to give him this money, and he's going to go do it again. But I felt the Lord say, don't worry about that. Just go do it. Amen. So there's two reasons why you should respond like that. The first reason is that you need practice. See, the thing is, as you move forward, as you do this, as you see these near ones and try to respond to them, what happens to you is you get good at it. And something the Lord showed me a long time ago, which has been such a benefit to me, is it comes really from the message that we preach all the time, the Father's love, because you can get really condemned about this stuff really fast, right? And I just said, there's no condemnation. Lord, I'm just here. I don't understand this whole thing. Matter of fact, this whole homeless thing and all the other stuff just pretty much freaks me out because on one side, I feel like I have such responsibility. On the other side, I don't know how much or little to do. And I felt the Lord spoke to me one day, and it, was, it just solved the whole issue for me. He said something. He said three words. I will, it's four words, teach you. I will teach you. And I, okay. So then I stopped thinking so much, and then I started experimenting. This and that, and then I'd give somebody something, and I'd go and drive away and think, well, how'd you feel about that, you know? And then i think that was the right thing to do. And then I'd done the same. I thought, no, that wasn't the right thing to do. So I just, you never know. It's hard to follow the Spirit unless you start start walking, right? It's a balance thing, you know. You, you have to keep moving. And as you do it, you just learn. And I was just learning in Jesus' school, so I've been learning ever since. So then we had some situations come up, and I couldn't take it anymore. And I said, well, Chuck, go find a hotel. See, some, see if we can put some people in there, you know. And I started experimenting. But I remember my biggest experiment of all was uh, a woman that uh, I'd just been 15 years in a car. She's a believer. I couldn't take it anymore. And I said to the Lord, Lord, you teach me how to do this. And I pray you would supply all the need that we need. I'm going to put this, I'm going to find a place for this to stay. And surely enough, sure enough, I made this little deal with one of the restaurant owners in town. And we, <laughs> we made this deal. And we, I can't tell you all that. Anyway, let's just say that we, we got a place for a person to stay. And, um, and so they really appreciate all the other things we did for them along the way, right? And so uh, he had a business. And we had, so we did this thing. We made this deal. And so it was expensive, put that person up, but I said, Lord, this is my seed. I'm going to sow this seed, and now you're going to teach me how to do this. That was our first one. I'm going to, you're going to teach me how to house the homeless. And so I did it. And so it was expensive. We've been doing it every month for four or five years now. 
But the Lord began to show me how to do it. How to do this. How not to spend too much money. How not to waste money. How to know who's who in the zoo. How to walk through it. And so we've been walking through this step. And it all started with this near one who I couldn't take anymore. I've been living in her car for 14, 15 years. And her application process in this apartment was hilarious. Because she has no... No relatives, no, no, you know, the normal thing where you like have people that are speaking on her behalf. Or, there's nothing, right? There's nothing to put on this application, right? And the, the lady had mercy on us and we did it anyway, right? But the thing is, I was so insecure and I panicked about that. I felt so insecure about that for months. But she was the near one. I kept seeing her day by day. I couldn't take it anymore. I said, okay, God, I'm investing. But you're going to teach me how to do this in an economic and a good way. And you're going to teach me, instruct me, and you're going to teach us how to do this. But you can do that in your own individual life. So for me, like what it's gone to to the people on the street that I meet all the time, I just have some $10, $20 bills in my back of my car. I just commit that. And as I give them, I ask, Lord, do you want me to do something? Yes or no? And then it settles the whole thing. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But I've done enough yeses that I'm not guilty about the no's. And now I'm getting, you know, the guilt and condemnation for not responding will kill you. You know why I'll kill you? Because you'll stop hearing God's voice. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So you've got to get the condemning voice out of your brain. But the best way to do it is respond sometimes, right? And then say, Lord, teach me. I'm willing. And there have been a couple of times when I passed somebody on the by and I, I felt guilty. Other times I didn't feel guilty at all. You know, so I'm learning inside to hear the voice of the Lord on what to do. So you can do that. That's part of this, I think. So the key thing is to see them. To see them. See, when did we see you a stranger invite you in? Well, you know, I've seen a lot of people, even on TV. I've seen all kinds of people, right? But I think what he's getting at is the one that I'm supposed to deal with, the one that's on my plate, or the ones. And so, you know, ones in our case means, oh my gosh, thousands and thousands of Indians who are starving to death or dying because of this stupid COVID virus, right? So they're on our plate too. But there's people starving to death and having problems all over the world. So who would I choose? Well, that's the one the Lord helped me see that I'm supposed to do, especially in this area of super benevolence. So we're working heavily there. But other countries as well, but heavily there. I'm telling you, when you begin to see, like I'm talking about, it is so liberating. The guilt goes, the joy comes, and because you've responded a few times, you go, okay. And then when you screw up or you feel guilty, I just say, Lord, thank you for teaching me. I, I will learn. I'm, I'm in learning mode now. Right? So if all of us do that, what happens is there's a lot of what you find, and I've just got this going on now, there's all kinds of joy that just keeps bubbling up in me. Right? Because I don't have that old condemnation anymore, but I know I'm doing some good. And I know I'm responding. It takes me some weird territory sometimes, some places I'm not comfortable with, you know, uh, some people I'm not, but I'm finding, hey, even the Lord will show me where to do that and how to do that. I'm not talking about around here. This is like we made this place for people who are not doing well to come in. If you notice that, <laughs> there are a lot of people who are not doing well on purpose. We made this place, but I'm out all the time. I'm in different places all the time. You guys are in different neighborhoods. Some of you live 20 miles from now, 10, 10 miles, right? So in my own neighborhood, in my own place, there's that too, right? So fortunately, as you contribute here and help here, we're doing exactly this. We are, we are finding our neighbors, right? But in your own private life, in your own walk with God, this, these things come up. Maybe a person at work who's not doing well. I'm learning to respond more and more. Somebody that's sick, somebody that needs a visit, somebody, you know, there's all kinds of things besides feeding. There's all kinds of things that we can do, right, as neighbors. So where do we find the compassion to love the near ones? Those that are like us and the ones who are very much unlike us. <laughs> Clearly, compassion is what moved the Samaritan. It says he took pity on them, verse 13. Took pity on him. We enter into the compassion joy of Jesus when we choose to find the lost and heal the broken. So this is, what I'm, I'm going to just uh, go to Luke chapter 10, but this is actually what I've been saying. In other words, what I'm trying to get you to do is make choice to actually take part in this drama that's unfolding in the world and in our country. Because I don't know, I remember a time when... Uh, the uh, the poor and the broken have been so visible. You know, I don't remember a time in all levels of culture. And I think some are politicizing it and using it for, you know, bad ways. But let's, th- let's read Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. 
He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandal, and do not greet anyone on the road. The road. So they go out and do this, and they come back. And here's the part that I really like. The 72 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. You want to see demons submit to you in Jesus' name? You want to see healing or you want to see supernatural? I'd say, do it out there. Do it out on the highways and byways of the world. That's why we have seen, I mean, it is almost embarrassing to me, uh, and I shouldn't be, that's probably the stupidest word I could use, but still, it's, it's, just, it's the funniest thing. I can't tell you. I mean, I don't even know what the tally is anymore. How many people have been healed in our food giveaways that we do in the, in the little service we do? It must be in the thousands now. Everything you could imagine. And then I'm trying to think, well, I got it a little closer. I got it from the warehouse now to the tent. <laughs> I'm trying to get it from the tent in here. And I'm trying to figure out, now how can I cross that wall to see the sheer level of power manifested as we see it there? And the, the answer is it's, out there, right? When we choose to take these steps, guess what? God meets us there. Look at this. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy, and this is key, See, Jesus really likes this stuff. <laughs> you want to do what Jesus likes? Do this stuff, right? And, and even to the place where, see, I think we have to learn how to deal with the weak around us that we see, but also we have to learn in the midst of that weakness how to help them find Jesus. And sometimes there's no other place, there's no room for that, really, other than serving the name of Jesus. But I'm finding... Just a little bit of um, openness as I get more comfortable in this world, which I have not been comfortable in, I'm, I'm finding I'm, it's much easier for me to talk to anybody that's in need and talk frankly about their thing, that what's happening, how that happened, where you've been, you know, and have a conversation. I think many of us are just terrified to have even a conversation, but actually people in need, they're more than willing to talk about their situation. They might not be that coherent or maybe they will be, but Wow. Conversation is actually another way to learn. Just talk to people. Yes. You know, it doesn't mean you have to commit the world to them or whatever, or it may be, I don't know, but I think just that. But here's the thing. This is the thing that gets my attention. At that time, Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus really likes this. Want <laughs> well, no, what Jesus likes? He really likes this. They go out, they're finding these people on the highways and the byways, and in a way it's, in some ways, I, I can see the pictures of all the highways and the byways we've been in India and Cambodia but, and all the other countries we're in. But the thing is, for me, though, it's, it's like I want to see it here. I want to know that same thing, that same boldness I have on the mission trip, that same, like when I'm in Mexico or wherever, that same thing. It's sort of like you sort of take that time aside and you're supposed to do it there, so you do it. And there's a whole bunch of other peers around you, and they're all doing it, praying for people they never pray for, and all this, because it's a trip, right? Well, just think of yourself on one long, prolonged mission trip. <laughs> it might be cheaper, actually. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. No one who knows knows who the Father is except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him, chooses to reveal Him. Then He turned to His disciples, and said privately, "Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see." I, I, that's for us. You get to see stuff here in the good old United States, in Laguna Niguel, of all places. And by the way, if you hadn't noticed. They are everywhere. People that are weak. In this very room, there are people that are weak. And by the way, we receive you. And we're going to help you. We're trying to do our best to pray with you and help you. And we're glad you're here. You come anytime. We're, we're, we're working at it. And, and when we help you, we're listening to the Holy Spirit and we're getting good at it. So if I say no, then I did it with an enlightened no. 
If I say yes or we'll look into this, I do it with enlightened, but I'll be praying about it all the whole time because I can't stand to people uh, see uh, our neighbors in, in need. But I'm finding out here, the thing is, the no, Roman number two, where do we find compassion to love the near ones? Those that are like us and the ones who are very much unlike us. Here's where you find it. I found that compassion as I go. I was thinking, I'm waiting for a wave of compassion to hit me. And then suddenly I would be so even tearful, tears welling up in my eyes. Then I'm going to go out and go give the guy that's passed out at the drugstore some money because I feel it in my spirit. That's what we're... (laughs) I've waited a long time to feel one of those feelings. (laughs) But you know what? As I do it more, something's been welling up in me. I can feel my insides are catching up with my outsides. So it's like you go out and do this, and then I'll let the feelings of compassion come later because you're going to be joining me and we're buddies, you know. What did Jesus say? I, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I, Lord, I, I have given you, I've given you authority to trample on snakes. And Jesus is saying at that time, this is the key thing. Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit. When Jesus is full of joy about you, you feel it. And it's a great joy. And you know what? Here's the thing. Whatever you do, do not get into condemnation. It'd be better not to do anything than to get into condemnation. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. You're okay. You don't have to do this. You get to do it. That's the key. You don't have to. You get to. That's the thing. He won't condemn you. He already he, he shed blood for you. When you gave him your heart, you're, you're in. You're walking with God, your sons and daughters. There's just this fun stuff that you get to do. And I think a lot of people would like to do it. And so uh, in your own way, privately, do it. And any way you can cooperate with us corporately and help volunteer in the warehouse and whatever and all that. There's so many opportunities to be compassionate to people around here. We've, we've, we've got an entire warehouse dedicated to being compassionate. <laughs> volunteer, help, do this, do that. I'll tell you what, some days I go in the warehouse and Oh, it's, I don't want to be too idealistic, but for me, it's one of the happiest places on earth. I just go in there and I smile. I look around, you know. Of course, I'm not the guy out there like you sweating in the hot sun. <laughs> but I did put my dues in. You know, you see me, right? I have my dues. We were talking about this the other day. It's the funny, some of the funniest stories that happened to me. We got into this crisis. I told you about that time. We got into this crisis with the COVID thing, and we were the only one that opened in town. So people were giving us everything. No Salvation Army, no other place, everything. So trash was everywhere, you know. And our biggest battle was to keep the trash and the trash guy coming, you know. So we had to make sure we <laughs> had to make sure we kept the trash thing level so they'd come and pick it up. Otherwise, they wouldn't, and then we'd just be in disaster. So John and I are working like at 12, 1 o'clock. In the, and I told you, remember that story? And up there, and I'm in the trash dump trying to level the darn thing off. It's 1 a.m. in the morning for the trash pickup. I'm out there, you know. <laughs> and... and uh, a homeless lady comes up behind me, scares me half to death, and she says, she says, hey, is there any good stuff up here? And I said, no, get down. She says, well, who are you? You're not the boss of me. And I said, well, I am the boss. She says, well, who are you? She says, well, I'm a pastor of this church, and, I, I, and, I'm, and I'm trying to explain to her about the trash thing coming. She says, you're a pastor. You're not a pastor. What would you be doing standing in a dump at 1 o'clock in the morning? There must be some good stuff up here, you know. And I, so, I, and I had, it was so surprised, surprising what she said, and so I had nothing to say. I, I, I went like, I, I, I. I thought, like, what am I standing in at one o'clock in the morning in a trash dump? That's a good question. And then I thought, and John, we got to fix this. If you're, I got to fix that. I thought, well, at least I'll. See that building over that? We meet as a church, right? But then I couldn't see it. There's no sign there, Vineyard Community Church. We need to put a sign on that side of the building so people can know there's a church here. Matter of fact, around our, you notice around town, you invite somebody to Vineyard Community Church. Where's that? Uh, but you say, Mercy, where else? Everybody knows where that is. So just say that first and then say that's where your church is. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter how far you get either. People, all of them know about Mercy, where else? Because so. there's all these great deals you can get, right? All right. <clears throat> So look at point B there. We enter into the compassion and joy of Jesus when we choose to find the lost and heal the broken. In other words, when we make that choice, the compassion follows. 
Sometimes the compassion's there, but lots of times it follows because sometimes I don't feel nothing, you know. And I have all these thoughts going through. Oh, they're just going to waste it. They're going to do this or that or I don't know. Or maybe they're dangerous. Or they might hurt me or you know, whatever, you know. We also find compassion for others from our painful experiences. Don't waste your sorrow. So some of you come by this and will come by this more naturally, you may actually say supernaturally, because you know what it feels like to be out of a house, out of a place. You know what it feels like to be in transition. Let that compassion work in you, because it's very, very powerful. And sometimes I wonder if we go through things, uh, even trouble, you know, and, and we think, oh, it's because I failed, or this happened, or that's that. But could it be that sometimes God designs our sorrows and our troubles just because he wants you to have compassion for somebody else later? So he sends you through it, right? You didn't do anything wrong. God just set you up to prepare you. He prepares his people in very unusual ways. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion, the God of all comfort. Aren't you glad that's what he is? Who comforts us in all our troubles so that, so that what? That's right. We can comfort those in trouble, any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So I'm just wondering sometimes if we just go through things so we can feel that comfort and then we'll be comforter somebody else. When you've gone through a horrible thing, you become an instant comforter. You become equipped. So use those bullets God put in your gun and use them for the benefit of the community. Sometimes, some of you, I, would, I can prophesy, prophesy this with absolute certainty. Some of you are going through things right now because God wants to equip you for somebody else down the road. Would he do that? Yes, he would do that. Does he love people that much? Yes, he loves people that much. And so you're under a controlled trial. You'll get on the other side. By the time you get on the other side of it, you're going to be full of compassion and you're going to bless somebody else that's in the same situation, right? And I just think that's the way this thing works. That's where we find it. So under this subject, where do we find compassion to love the near ones? We find it from our own trouble, right? We also find compassion and tenderness toward the near ones in our lives. I say that that's the literal translation for who is my neighbor, the neighbor word, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the near one as yourself. As the Holy Spirit releases the love of the Father to us. Now we talk about this incessantly in our church, Romans 8, 14 to 16. This shapes our view of the people around us. So we talk about the Father's love. You'll get it in my classes that I do, and we'll talk about it from time to time. But in our experience with salvation, so many people stop short are not aware that not only does the Holy Spirit as a charismatic give you your tongues and prophecy and stuff, but also this unique thing called the Father's love, which will come just for the asking and receiving. Frankly, I heard about this through Eddie for years. Well, not for years, but for months and maybe up to a year or two, not knowing what in the world he was talking about. You know, thinking he had sort of exaggerated that part of the Scripture. And then one day it happened to me. I got adopted. I got filled. I got filled with the Father's love in a way that I had not, could ever have imagined. I got totally ambushed. I shook from the top of my head to the tip of my toes for weeks under the power. It wasn't the power. It was the love. I didn't know love was so powerful. It got me way down deep. And then I just got to the place where I was like Ferdinand the Bull. Every time I saw somebody give flowers or do something, you know, I started crying. I was like, I've never felt so feminine in my whole life, but it was good. (laughs) And embarrassed. I couldn't believe. I don't think I cried one time. Like, I can't even remember the last time I cried. And then I start crying every day. And I'm thinking, what's the matter with you? You're having a nervous breakdown. And Eddie, Eddie kept saying, no, it's the Father. It's the Father. Wow. I feel bad. <laughs> because I, I, I didn't feel bad. I felt great, actually. But I was embarrassed. I don't like to be weak. I don't like to cry. Some of you guys haven't cried in years, you know. Boy, get a little dose of the Father's love in you, which is in the Scripture, and we teach and we pray for people about this very thing. He will melt you. There's an experience in God where He will melt you. And when He melts you, and sometimes it's on the heels of trouble, you get a lot more tender. And actually, this whole thing of finding the near one's a little bit easier. That's like the direct connect, right? You can do it through trials. You can do it uh, through uh, your, you know, uh, other painful experiences, or you can get it through the Holy Spirit, and He will cause that because the Father has such compassion. Jesus modeled this experience for us when he experienced the love of the Father in the baptismal waters of the Jordan. What did God say to him? 
he's being baptized in the Jordan, and the heavens open up. It's just really instructive. He said, this is my son whom I love. But he didn't just say it. He melted Jesus. He, he brought that impartation. It wasn't that he just said, I love you. It was that he imparted this thing I'm talking about, this experience. And he equipped Jesus, that love of the Father on the inside of Jesus Christ, even though he was God, shaped everything he did. And I'm just saying that there's that too. And it makes you much more compassionate toward anybody that's weak, anybody that's going through trouble. So who are your priority neighbors? They're at the bottom of your outline. Here's an amazing one. I love this, these passages I'm about to share. They're very instructive to me, and they're very, very, very practical and, and helpful. Even that word I said about learning to me is one of the most helpful things that I, I've, I've said here. Uh, it's just be patient with yourself. Let the Lord put you on a learning curve. Let the Lord teach you what you're supposed to do, right? What you're supposed to do. Not what you ought to do or what somebody else is doing. What are you supposed to do? What, what are you supposed to do? Day by day, week by week, what are you supposed to do? Just And then do it and be happy with it, right? Don't start looking at other, what other people do or how great or, or small they are or whatever it is. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Now, here's the thing. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I like that. Don't you like those verses? Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Be ashamed. Isn't that awesome? So always be ready. Evidently, Jesus expects you to love the near one, your neighbor. He expects you to be ready. And then he'll set the thing up. He'll set the thing up. You don't even have to look that far. You just have to look, right? People will ask you about this. You just have to be aware. So if you're aware, then somebody asks you, then you go, oh, you're not surprised. But right now, for people to ask us, you know, in the community or wherever about Jesus or about why are you so happy or whatever, blah, blah, we fumble, blah, 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 blah. This is the scripture says, be ready. Because actually people will ask you. You know why they'll ask you? Because he loves people so much. If you volunteer in any way, he'll set you up. <laughs> they will ask you. They will ask you on the little league field. They will ask you at the job. They will ask you at the swim meet. They'll ask you. They will. They will. They'll do it. And this is one of those passages that helps us understand how God does this. Here's another one. While we're in the world, very, very good advice. You know, and uh, I'm even watching about this. Wherever I do this, I, I really try, but I failed miserably this last. You know, renovation of a home, I found out, uh, actually brings out the worst in my cudgeons. I, I was not a very nice person this week. Sorry, Janice. <laughs> Kids. <laughs> just something about tearing my house up and then having to, uh, I just did not do well with that. So I'm the opposite of this one this week, but I've done better other weeks. <laughs> Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Wow. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. That's what our generation does. Turn on the news. One channel, two channel, three channel, everyone. They're all complaining, murmuring, barking, bark, bark, bark. That's all we hear, right? You know, if they're barking in an appropriate way, with information I like, still after a while, it just wears on you. Man, oh man, is there anything good in this world? Come on. <laughs> right? So we get that arguing and complaining spirit. We just got to clean that up. Stop that. Oh my gosh. Everywhere I turn around, you're in some kind of argument. You get in there long enough, like your face begins to change. You get these lines in it and everything. <laughs> Do everything without grumbling or arguing, even when you're making a great point, a great political point. You can do it in a nice way, I think, right? Get that sneer on your face pretty soon. Whoever's listening to you, they're going to listen to a word you say. <laughs> I got the truth, you know. Do everything. You can even tell the truth without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. The Father knows it's a warped, and crooked generation, he's got that. Yeah. You don't have to pay, you know, help him understand that. He understands the world's screwed up, right? So our response is do everything without grumbling or arguing. There's a purity about that. But look what happens here. A non-complaining person, a person that 
carries himself cheerfully. I got to speak about our children's pastor. That is possibly the happiest woman I've ever met in my life. Possibly. Those kind of people amaze me. I'm not one of them. But there are a few people in this world, and every time you look at them, they're always cheerful and happy about doing something, right? I wish I was like that. She's like that. Maybe on her dark days at home, maybe she's not like that. But I'll tell you what, around here, she's the happiest person. When you get around that, they kind of irritate you in a way. How can you be so happy all the time? You think, well, maybe it's fake. Then sometimes I thought, maybe they're on drugs or something, you know, like something that keeps them up a little bit, you know. <laughs> I don't know. But, but I've found a lot that are just genuinely, they're just really happy, right? But look what it says. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. You start shining because it's so unusual to see people happy all the time, right? And not grumbling or arguing, especially at work. You know, when you get that extra work put on you, you have to work an extra day or some extra hours or they don't pay you on time or whatever it is. As you shine like, like stars, as you hold firmly to the word of life, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Who's the near one around me? You know, when you're doing everything without grumbling or arguing, wouldn't that be amazing, John? Could you imagine 10 minutes in the warehouse with nobody grumbling or arguing? That would be heaven. That would be amazing. We need to have a special session with all of our workers, gather them and, hey, give this scripture out. It would be amazing. Actually, the truth is we have a wonderful atmosphere in there, but there are times when we do, because we encounter really not nice people. A lot of people, they're just not nice. They don't, you know, when you're not doing well and you, you're moving or you're sick or, or you don't have any money, you don't feel good, right? And that's something that we should understand and we cannot grumble along with them. Matter of fact, we could bring some light and some encouragement, I think. And a lot of people do in our warehouse, but we still have our fair share and we have to deal with that every once in a while in ourselves. But boy, when a person's not like that, they shine like the stars in the sky. There's people in that warehouse that shine like that every day. How in the world do they have the energy to do that? I'll never know the atmosphere like that. But they do. They just shine and shine and shine. A lot of people, actually. So I don't want to throw the warehouse under the bus completely. But, <laughs> but we, this is a deal because, you know, a lot of people come in with a negative place. And so it, we have to work extra hard, right? Look at Hebrews 13.3. These passages, to me, fascinate me. They, to me, they're like where the rubber meets the mode. And we're talking about who is my neighbor. These are all the issues with regard to your neighbor. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Wow. Mm. There are some cultures that are really good at this. Our culture is not one of them. Do not forget to show hospitality. I mean as a culture, as a people. Other cultures are more hospitable. I mean, I've been to places in the middle of nowhere. They give me the shirt off their back. They do anything for me. Do not, just because they want to show hospitality. It's in the culture to show hospitality to somebody that's new. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by, so do, by doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. What is this? Even the angels like to be around this kind of stuff. People that are like this. They show up. To angels. Angels want to feel this hospitality. I think that's huge. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels. The angels are getting in on this. You're showing hospitality to absolute strangers, and they're showing up. What an amazing thing. Can you let that just sink in for a moment? This is big on heaven's radar. Who is my neighbor? Heaven likes you to be nice to your neighbor. Hospitality is one of those things. The last thing. Love those who mistreat you. Notice the reward involved. So let's look at Luke chapter 6, and we'll close with this. Are you guys getting this a little bit? Oh, yeah. The last thing I want to communicate is bummer stuff. It doesn't take you anywhere holy. <laughs> right? What I'm trying to share with you is a great adventure, which literally is lighting my life up. You know, I, I light up with anything that has to do with the weak and the poor, and if I get to be a part of it, Anything that has to do with uh, the nations, I get. To, I love it. I like it. I guess I like it because God likes it, and He just brings His Spirit to cheer you up. But the other reason I like it is this massive reward. We actually see that in this verse here. Massive reward to being a giver, not a taker. Oh, yeah. To coming out of yourself, to loving your neighbor. Do not judge, and you'll not be judged. Do not condemn, and you'll not be condemned. Wow. You know, I'll go further. That's where I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to 
Before I get to that the verse, I want to go up higher. But I say to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone, someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt for them. Woo. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not mind it back. It's getting worse. <laughs> do not do to others as you would <laughs> have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Yikes. Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expect to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Here's the good part. Then (laughs) your reward will be great, and you'll be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked, including you and me. That's important to know because I'm kind and ungrateful all the time. And I mean, I'm ungrateful and wicked. I have things I go to. I'm in ten- tendencies that are negative and bad, and he loves me anyway. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. And then I, I want to just go to these next two verses. I don't have it on the outline, but let me just read these two verses. Because on the heels of all that, look at this. Do not judge, you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now look at this, verse 38. That's, those are all forms of giving of yourself, by the way. But here's the thing. And this is another reason why I love this who is my neighbor lifestyle. Give, and it will be given to you. So you can't outgive the people around you. Give, and it will be given to you. Oh, man. Whether it's a smile, pat on the back, a happy word to somebody, an encouragement, helping somebody into their car, feeding them, whatever. You can't outgive. Give, and it will be given to you. But here's the thing I like. And this is what I found, and this is what I think our church experiences from time to time, because I do think that we have, to our credit, gone out of our way to try to do this. Not always perfectly, not only the best way, not all, all the way we could, but I'm trying. I really am. And I begin to experience the emotion of it and the, the goodness of it and the freedom of it. But here's the thing that I know, and I hope all of you know. This is about God. Give, and it will what? Be given to you. So when you have this lifestyle and you're giving away smiles or pats on the back or money or whatever you're doing, right, it's going to come back on your head. But, but how much will it come back on my head? That's the question, right? Well, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, is that clear enough? And running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And here's the thing. Not all of us need money. Not all of us need this or that. But we all need love. We all need happiness. We all need encouragement. We all need that sense of God in our life. So even if your giving doesn't accomplish things in the material, there are things that God can touch in that place where you hurt, where you're in need, where you actually need some uh, revelation and insight. And that's the whole thing. Who's my neighbor? Boy, I tell you what. Investing in your neighbor is big-time return. If nothing else, then just for the joy that God springs up on the inside of you. Amen? Let's all stand. So I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. And uh, what I'd like John to do is just he's going to do some worship. And uh, he may play one or two songs, I don't know. But I'd like you to do something. I'd just like you to open your heart, and um, I guarantee you this will happen, not to all of us, but to a number of you. A number of you will get a picture in your mind, or an idea, about someone, someplace, somewhere, and that might just be the prime of the Holy Spirit, hey, maybe I need to take a look at helping out there. Maybe even something I said, it struck you. You said, you know, man... I, I think I'm gonna. I want to do that. I want to try that out. And I like the word. I will try that out. Yes, uh, don't make huge commitments. Just say, God, if God puts it in your mind, okay, maybe I'll try that out. And then just try stuff out to get comfortable in some sort of lane, something that you feel like you can do, something a lifestyle that you could have. You know, whether it's a spontaneous thing or maybe it's a more deeper commitment in some way or another. But the Lord will lead you in this, and this is the beauty of the whole thing. The last thing I want you to come from this sermon is go, oh, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? What do I got to do? No, just say, Lord, I'd like to learn. Amen. Teach me 
how to love my neighbor. Teach me. Teach me what it means at work. Teach me what it means in my neighborhood. Teach me what it means wherever I go. Teach me. I think that's a better response. Just ask God to teach you. And then he'll teach you. He'll, he'll be faithful and he won't be harsh with you when you screw up or you don't do something or he won't put pressure on you. But do, do something like everybody else does it or, you know, you've heard me say a few things. You don't feel the pressure of, well, he did it. Maybe I should be doing that. No, you find your own journey. So I'm going to ask God to do, as, as we're worshiping, to give you ideas or thoughts. Not only here, but through the week. Things you could do with your kids. Things that, you know, spontaneous things. Put some tins in the back of your car, you know, or in your glove bar, or other ideas, things where you might be a blessing. Things that people at work, you know, people that are in need, your job place, praying for someone that's sick, maybe, or whatever. Or maybe say, hey, I'd like to do this part for the warehouse. I'd like to commit to picking up food one day a week, or whatever. It doesn't matter. But just go on a journey. Don't go and just do something, but go on a benevolence journey. And the Lord will take you on your own journey, and that's so much fun. And whatever you give away, I guarantee you, it'll come back on your head. So you don't have to worry about that. Sometimes it might be a little bit painful. Maybe it requires something of you. But mostly, this requires being joyful in a world that's not doing so well. Stop murmuring and complaining. And, and so when you do that, you, it says the Bible, you shine like the stars. You start being noticed, right? Because everybody else is not doing well and grumpy, no matter what they are, you know what party they're in or whatever. There's a lot of grumpy people out there. You didn't notice that? All right. So, Lord, I pray. As we're worshiping here, I pray you just put stuff in us. I pray you remind us of things that were joyful that we did in the past. I pray, God, you would help us to see our neighbors in a new way. I pray you would make us shine. I pray you would teach us. And as we're worshiping here, put stuff in us, Lord. Consolidate these thoughts, Lord, about loving the near one. Make it real in us for our neighborhood, for our family, and our household. 